So uh, what we're going to be looking at this morning is we're going to be looking at a comparison between Adam and Jesus. That's what we're going to be doing. So I want to read a couple of verses from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be starting with verse 21. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And then I want to read verses 45 through 49. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven." So Adam, uh, the, the word Adam, is actually used in three different ways in the scripture. Um, first of all, and the most common, it's used more than 500 times in the Old Testament this way, Adam um, can represent mankind, or more politically correct, humankind, people, men and women created in the image of God. It's a collective term, Adam, uh, humankind. Secondly, it can refer to a particular man. Um, so it would be using an article, a man or the man. And then thirdly, it can represent the proper name of the first man that God created. His name was Adam. So Adam means red soil, red dirt, kind of like Georgia. Uh, and that's what his name means. Now we understand that because it tells us in Genesis chapter 2 that God formed mankind out of the dust of the earth. He got some dirt, molded it, formed it, created a, a, a person. And then he breathed in him the breath of life. So the whole basis of all of this is in Genesis 1 verses 26 through 28. And these are familiar passages to you. Um, As we look through, later on as we look through the New Testament, we're going to find that um, the New Testament takes these opening chapters of Genesis as historical, foundational. It views it as history, not a myth, not a legend, not a nice story, as history. As such, it says in verse 26, God said, let us make man, Adam, In our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, 
rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so it's in Genesis 2-7 that it talks about him creating him out of the dust of the earth. Now this becomes a very important thing. Um, God creates people. They're created in his image and likeness. He creates people out of the dust. He creates all the animals out of the dust. He breathes into Adam and Eve the breath of life. He breathes into the animals the breath of life. The thing that distinguishes men from animals is people are created in the image and likeness of God. That's the distinction. That is the difference. And it's a major difference. So when they tell us that mankind is a, just another animal, um, that's degrading to you. Because you're more than that. You're not just an animal. Um, that's a justification for the way that people treat one another, by the way. We can be brutal with one another because we're, that's the way the animal kingdom is. It's brutal. But we're created in the image and likeness of God. That's a major difference. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He talks, 4.7, sorry, 2 Corinthians 4.7. He says, we have this treasure, the treasure of the knowledge of the glory of God in earthen vessels, clay pots, jars of clay. And the whole point is that uh, what is the whole, what's the purpose of a jar? What's a jar created for? Work? What? It's, it's created to, to be, it's a container. People were not created to be empty. We are created to be full. And so Paul says, we are like clay pots, but we're not created to be empty. And that's one of the things that modern people struggle with is the emptiness within. Because that's an unnatural state because they were not created to be empty inside. Clay pots, Paul says, 2 Corinthians 4. But he says this clay pot is designed to hold a vast treasure. The treasure of the glory of God. And that's what separates us from the animals. The glory of God to be revealed in us and through us. We are to be filled with his presence. Created in his image and his likeness. And that expresses itself in the fact that he gave him dominion and rule over all the rest of created life on the earth. And so we were created to rule as representatives of God. That's what we are. God's representatives created in his image and likeness to have dominion and authority over everything else on this earth. That was the goal and the plan, to be his representative. And that's where the problem came in. When we deny our God-given call to be his representatives and decide to take his place, that's the essence of sin. So created from the dust of the ground, created by God, that means that Adam didn't have a father and mother, did he? So this is why when it's going through the genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, it's talking about all these people who are son of, son of, son of, and all that. When it gets to Adam, what does it call him? Son of God. Adam 
the Son of God, created in His image and likeness. Jesus is going to come as Son of Man, but also as Son of God. Now, Jesus was far greater than Adam because it's His image that Adam was created in. Jesus took flesh not because He was after Adam, but because He was before Adam. That's why they picked up stones to stone Jesus at one time. They asking him if he was greater than Abraham and he said I tell you the truth before Abraham was I am and John tells us in chapter 1 that in the beginning was the word the word was with God and was God and through him all things were created and nothing was created apart from or outside of him it's his image that Adam was created in and it's his image that Adam destroyed through his sin he wasn't like him anymore and the glory of God was not seen in his rebellion. So, Adam is the son of God. And uh, as Paul says in the verses that we read here in Corinthians, in Adam all die. In Christ, all shall be made alive. So death came through man because Adam, as the representative of mankind, the one who was given authority to rule and have dominion over the, all the earth, it's like when a king falls or is defeated, then the whole country um, becomes subject when the head of the government falls then that has a tremendous impact on everything else Adam expressed his dominion over the earth by taking care of the garden and he expressed his likeness to God in the sense that God brought all the animals to him and let Adam name them so he was creative like God was and by uh, giving them their name he was demonstrating his authority his rule over them and it's only after Adam and Eve sin only after the fall that the woman gets a name and Adam gives it to her. He names her like he named everyone else because God had made her subject to him because of the sin. So when Adam sinned, Paul tells us again in the book of Romans chapter 8 that it had a tremendous devastating impact on all of the earth. The earth was cursed in Genesis 3 because of Adam's sin. He sinned and notice it didn't say because of Eve's sin. Now Paul's going to tell you later on Eve was deceived, Adam wasn't. Adam knew what he was doing. He had to choose between his wife and God. He chose. Deliberately, knowingly, willfully. And that was the great sin. The sin was Adam knew the word of God. He knew the will of God. He knew the command of God and he broke it. That's the essence of sin, isn't it? It's rebellion. Most of us, when we do wrong things, it's not that we don't know. 
when I sin, I know I'm sinning most of the time. Sometimes I don't <laughs> till afterwards. But most of the time, I know. And most of the time, it's a deliberate choice and act that I have chosen to do. Um, and that's the worst thing because it's a rejection, a disrespect of God's Word and who He is. So death comes through man, and the resurrection of the dead also comes through man. Romans chapter 5 is the other major section that deals with this. 1 Corinthians 15 and Romans chapter 5, and we'll start with verse 12. And so Paul says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, because that was the word of God, right? If you sin, you will die. And that sin, death came through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. Because he was our representative. He was the first one. Um, as far as we know, there weren't a whole lot of other people around other than Adam and Eve at that particular time. Um, when it starts talking about them having children, that's after the fall. So at that point, he was the representative of everything. And when the king falls... All of his people become subject, and that's what happened. The next generations become subject, and that's what happened. So we've all sinned in that sense. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. Sin is not taken into account, for there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned. And this is going to be an important word because he's going to come back to it at the end of the chapter. Death reigned. It ruled. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as Adam did, who was a pattern of the one to come. So Adam becomes a type of Christ at this point, in the sense that he was a representative of human race, of the humankind. And because he was the first, and because he was the, um, the first one who bore the image and likeness of God on the earth then we were all subject to him. Jesus comes as the counterpart to Adam. Jesus is what Adam should have been. And because he's the first of the new creation, he becomes a representative of us all in the same way that Adam was. And so when Jesus uh, makes a decision and makes a choice, it impacts all of creation in the same way that Adam's choice affected every single person, every single part of, that, of the creation. Paul says in Romans 8, Romans 8, the whole creation is groaning in travail because the earth was cursed because of Adam's sin. And in Christ, the curse is done away with, and the book of Revelation ends with the curse on the earth being lifted. Sacrifice has been made. The sin's been atoned for. Our sins are covered. And there's a new creation. And it has universal implications. So Adam becomes a pattern for the one to come. Jesus comes taking flesh upon himself. And he brought life. So Christ, first man of the new creation, as Adam the first of the living beings. So it tells us here, back to... 1 Corinthians 15, 
verse 45. First man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. And he's going to talk about that a little more um, in just a few minutes. Adam becomes the pattern. Um, in Romans 5, verse 14, that's one that says that Adam was the pattern of the one to come. And in John 11, Gospel of John chapter 11, we're going to see how Jesus becomes the representative. This was the high priests and the council of the Sanhedrin were meeting. They were upset because of the triumphal entry of Jesus. They were concerned that it would cost them their position and their power, their money, and their nation because people were proclaiming Jesus as king. And the high priest, even though he's not a godly man, uh, did you get that? He's the high priest. He's not a godly man. Just because a person has an office and a title doesn't mean that they're right with God. Judas Iscariot was an apostle. He was an apostle. But he wasn't a godly man. So the high priest gives them the answer. And God uses people. Even if they're not right with him, God can speak through them and use them in spite of themselves. So they're complaining, the rest of the Sanhedrin, the chief priests and them, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. Now John goes on and he says he did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. And so he's telling us that Jesus is a representative. They understood that. They intended for him to be the representative. That's why they wanted him dead. So the first man, Adam, became a living being made out of clay. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit, God in the flesh. Now Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, the spiritual did not come first but the natural, and after that the spiritual. And that's again what he was talking to about Nicodemus. It's one thing to be born physically, that's the natural part. It's another thing to be born spiritually and that comes later. Because since we are all in Adam and because we all have a sinful nature because of him that he passes on to us, because of those things we are all just dust in the wind. Remember um, back in the what, 60s or 70s? That was a popular song. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Well, that's true. Apart from God. So the first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. And then we have this tremendous passage there in Romans chapter 5 starting with verse 15 
So he's been talking to us, what we just read a while ago, that we're all condemned to death because of sin through Adam as our representative and because we become like him. But in verse 15 of Romans 5, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? And this is going to be a thing that he's going to bring up again a couple more times in this chapter. More grace. Much more grace. And he's going to end it up at the end of the chapter where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And so the trespass of one man brought death and destruction upon us all. It brought a curse from God on all of us. And we're under his wrath. That's what we are by nature. But God in his grace was not content to let death have the last say. He wasn't content to give up on people created to be his image and likeness. And so he sent his son the grace of God, not because they deserved it, not because they earned it, not because there was any lack or need on God's part. He just simply chose to do it because that's his nature and character. And he is consistent with himself. And when God created Adam in the image and likeness of himself, in the image of Christ, he was prepared to die at that point. So this is why Paul talks about the Lamb who was crucified from the foundations of the earth. Uh, from before the beginning, the cross was in the heart of God. Because as he expresses his love, that's what it means. Willing to lay down self on behalf of someone else, even if they don't deserve it. That's what love is. Anything else is selfishness and lust and self-centeredness, a big ego trip. Everything else apart from that, it's all about me. So how much more grace? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned, there it is again, ruled through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign, rule, in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? That's what it means, the rule of Christ, when we say Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is not Lord, then sin is. And there aren't any options other than those two. Either sin is Lord of your life, may be expressed in self. I'm Lord of my life. Well, that's sin. Because <laughs> I wasn't created to do that. Our God is Lord. And if he's Lord, if he rules, then that means that he is in control. And when I have to be in control, I'm playing God. 
When it has to be my way, I'm playing God. And I'm not meant to do that. So the good news is wrapped up in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, starting with verse 10. He's been talking about Jesus who came to suffer death, that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Verse 10, In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the author of their salvation perfect, complete, through suffering. Hebrews is going to tell us later on in chapter 5, verse 8, that Jesus, though he were a son, let he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Part of the things is he, he's making him complete, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Adam was created to be a son of God. Like Jesus, who is the son of God. Like him. And so Jesus came back to bring us back into the family from which we rebelled and strayed. Verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Because death is associated with the curse. And it brings condemnation and judgment. So Jesus comes and he becomes a curse for us. He takes the condemnation on himself. He stands in the place of judgment in your place and mine. And God judges him. And so the death has to be died. Because the soul that sins will die. When Pilate brought Jesus out the last time, how they're condemning him. He's already been beaten by the soldiers half to death. They put a, in mockery a purple robe on him, a crown of thorns. He's still standing there wearing that mockery, that sham worship. And they bring him out. And Pilate says, Behold the man. He's not a king. Behold the man. Shall I let him go? They said, no, crucify him. Then he says, wait a minute. You want to crucify your king? They said, wait a minute. We've only got one king. His name's Caesar. And besides, this man claims to be the son of God. And now Pilate doesn't know what to do. Now he's scared. Because he's seen that this man is more than just a man. But he was right, wasn't he? Behold the man. That's what man was supposed to be. He is our representative. He is the one who's going to follow the obedience to God through suffering and death, humiliation and pain. 
out of love for God and love for you and me. And he takes that. That's who he is. He is our representative. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. That's all of us. All of us. And he did that for us as our representative. So Paul tells us, as was the earthly, back in 1 Corinthians 15, 48, as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. As is the man from heaven, so are those who are from heaven. And so we are either dust in the wind, or we are sons and daughters of God. And that's it. That's the only options we have. Dust in the wind, sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. And he tells us, verse 49, Just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. In Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, it brings all of this together for us, right from the beginning. Genesis chapter 5, this is the written account of Adam's life. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man, Adam. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness. This is after the fall. And so he has a son in his likeness, which is a sinful fallen likeness. And so this is what Paul's talking about. As we have borne the image of this broken, fallen, uh, empty, wounded humanity, we have the opportunity to be sons and daughters of God, what we were created for. The empty pot has an opportunity to be filled with life and with the life of God, the Spirit of the living God. So Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that as we behold the image of Christ face to face, we are being transformed into His likeness. This is the new creation that's taking place, recreated in His image. He's going to say later on in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, verse 17, if any person's in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. So the wages of sin, Paul says in Romans 6, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so here we are back in Romans chapter 5. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, 
so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Abundant grace. Jesus said in John 10, 10 that he came to have to give us life, abundant life. John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us. Not just given, but this is super abundance, overflowing. How much love the God has lavished upon us, more than we can contain, that we might be called the sons of God. And John goes on and says, but that's what we are. We don't know what that's going to mean, but we know that when He appears, we will be like Him. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing, isn't it? Transforming us from a broken clay pot, just dust, just clay, filling us into a vessel that is able to, to hold to its fullness, the fullness of the pot, the grace and glory of God through Jesus Christ. that we should be called the sons of God. James puts it this way, through Christ, through His grace, mercy triumphs over judgment. Wages of sin is death, that's the judgment. Gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, that's the abundant grace. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. Our Father, what a miracle, what a blessing it is that we can even call you our Father. And that because of your Son, who you created us to be like, and who we failed so miserably to do, you've sent him, like us, in the flesh, that we might become, once again, what you created us to be, your sons and daughters. Help us to receive this abundant mercy and grace that overcomes sin and death in us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.